You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. Philip Zadina, player for uh, San Jose Sharks. Are you used to saying that yet? No, not really. <laughs> I don't know how to really pronounce that, like... Because I would say in my language, I would say San Jose. It's close. Someone's yeah. saying like San Jose. How do you get there? Prague, what? Yeah, I'll, I'll go Prague to uh, to Munich, Minichov. Yeah. And then fly into San Francisco. There's a flight from Munich to San Francisco? Yeah, yeah. Oh 12 my. 12 hours. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It's like 1150. <laughs> that is something. Yeah, it's something different than I was used to to Detroit. <laughs> yeah, like, Detroit's wow. a little closer. Yeah. yeah. It's like eight hours flight and this is 12 Happy Labor Day, everyone. Hope you're enjoying the end of your summer. I don't understand these places where school starts in August. That's basically child abuse and shouldn't be allowed to happen. Jeff Merrick has the weekend off. I am nothing if not a benevolent dictator. And this is basically an interview pod from the European tour. A little bit of news off the top, but generally interviews. You're going to hear from, in order, Rasmus Sandin, Philip Zadina, very newsy, Jesper Bratt, Martin Natchez, and Hampus Lindholm. But first, just a little bit of news I want to go through first. A couple of things to keep an eye on as we head towards the opening of training camps in a couple of weeks. And also, you're going to start to see a lot of players heading back to their NHL cities. One, there's going to be a lot of practices among teammates. And secondly, the final kids get back into school and those with young families are going to want to be in place. So a couple things to keep an eye on. Wrote about it at the end of last week. Uh, one thing to watch, Phil Kessel. Uh, Kessel has indicated to teams that he wants to keep his NHL career going. He just won his third Stanley Cup last year as a member of the Vegas Golden Knights. And the thing about Kessel is Kessel has the longest consecutive game streak in NHL history going. He's the first player in NHL history to play 1,000 consecutive games, and he's still going. Now, in the past, a couple of years ago when Kessel played in Arizona, the belief was that uh, one of the reasons the Coyotes did not trade him at the deadline was because teams were concerned about potentially ending his consecutive game streak at the time. And it's not an easy process. We've seen some situations where those kinds of conversations have gone really poorly and really sideways. Keith Yandel in Florida was one of those. 
and teams didn't want to be involved in ending a streak if the player wasn't on board. Well, Kessel has indicated to teams that he would be willing to end the streak. He understands that his days as an everyday 82-game player are coming to an end, and so he is prepared to make that concession to keep his career going. He had 14 goals last year. He played four playoff games for the Golden Knights. We'll see where this goes. A couple other situations to keep track of. You know, players coming back who need contracts either this year or for next season. One of the interesting interviews that was done recently was involving Elias Lindholm in Sweden. He talked to a Swedish reporter about how he'd be willing to stay. From what I understand, uh, the Flames and Lindholm have really uh, been quiet this summer when it came to contract negotiations. Uh, I would expect that to pick up as he returns and things get closer to the season. I think the Flames were prepared after they made some of their decisions, trading Tyler DeFoley and uh, hearing you know that Noah Hannafin was not going to extend, that they were prepared to let things play out a little bit over the summer. Everybody gets some downtime, just relax and refresh, and they get back to those conversations around now or in the near future. So I would expect things with Lindholm to pick up a bit, but I don't think anything's imminent there, uh, despite what Lindholm said to the Swedish reporter. That's good news for the Flames and their fans, but everybody has to get to a place where they're comfortable. And the final thing, just wanted to mention Trevor Zegras and the Ducks. I think some of us who just have our heads in in hockey and don't really pay attention to a lot of other things or aren't really cool to the 21st century youth celebrity world. And I would put myself in that category. I'm not really familiar with some of this stuff. Trevor Zegers is becoming a pretty big star among young fans and his off-ice life. He is apparently... I was asked about this by some young fans. I I had to look it up and kind of figure it out. Apparently, he's dating someone named Dixie D'Amelio. And this is a big deal. Like She is a star. So D'Amelio is 22 years old. She's got a sister, Charlie. They're both big TikTok stars. That's how some of my younger relatives... Uh, my nieces and nephews and some other young fans I've come across know her. I guess she is a also a singer um, now, but people know her from TikTok. And this is a big deal. This makes Trevor Zegers an even bigger deal than he already was. The fact that he's been linked to her. Well, Zegers needs a contract for the Ducks. And one of the things we're hearing is that's likely to be a bridge deal. It's, it doesn't look like that's going to be a long-term deal. It sounds like Zegris and the Ducks, when it gets done, is going to be a bridge. So this is your celebrity gossip and news update for the National Hockey League on your Labor Day weekend. Okay, now interviews. Sandy, Zadina, Brad, Nachas, Lindholm. Here they come. Enjoy them. Rasmus, here we are in Sweden. What do you think the best thing about this country is? I mean, a lot of things. Food is fantastic here. People are usually pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say the culture here is just great overall. I feel like people that come here and visit, they usually like it here. So yeah. uh, it's a lot of things that is good with Sweden. Most vivid young hockey memory? 
I mean, it's so many early ones that I've just seen videos of. I mean, my brother plays, uh, obviously, he plays professional here in Sweden uh, now, and I couldn't stay at home when I was very young. So they had to bring me to the practice rink and just be on the ice with him and my dad and my mom as well. So my mom is actually a pretty good skater too. So lots of family skates. Mm-hmm. Now, this year was a roller coaster. Like so much stuff happened to you. Did it take you until after the season to kind of just breathe and calm down and process everything that occurred? Yeah, a little bit. I feel like when stuff like last year happens, I feel like, you know, there's no stopping. You just kind of go with it. And mm-hmm. Yeah, I just kind of enjoyed it the whole time during the season. And then after, I mean, just kind of sat down and actually uh, now when I'm looking for new places in Washington, it's like I don't really know where to live. So luckily I have great teammates that helps me out with that. So what was the biggest change between Toronto and Washington for you? I mean, I feel like there wasn't that many changes. I mean, obviously, leaving the teammates that I had in Toronto and then coming into the new group, Toronto's guys in the team, they were pretty young. I mean, they were like, you know, Matthews 97 or something. Same with Mitch. And, you know, lots of guys were younger and kind of get into an older team. I feel like the older guys in our team now is feels like they're as young as I am, so mm. which is great. But I didn't feel like there was too many changes. Obviously, there's some minor things. I mean, just walking in the city. I mean, people don't maybe recognize you in the same way, stuff like that. But I love my time in Washington. Good. Excellent. Because you never know, like sometimes the first time you get traded, it's like, how does it affect you mentally? Change the middle of the season. How quickly can you adjust? Like I remember one guy told me, he said, you know, Rasmus can make friends in a room with nobody. So like, it's, it's not going to be hard for him to adjust that kind of way. But I always wonder like, what's the biggest curveball that gets thrown at you? Yeah. I mean, that was obviously a curveball when I got traded. I mean, coming to Washington too. I mean, I think I knew like two guys pretty well. One guy was Eric Gustafson who got traded for me. And then the <laughs> second guy was uh, uh, Marcus Johansson who got traded like five minutes before I did. So <laughs> I was like, who, who am I going to know Like on the team? And then obviously we had Nick there, and uh, Nick is a fantastic guy. I mean, yes. he took care of me from, from day one. I mean, he sat up like by the breakfast and waiting for me to come down and intro- introduce me to all the guys. So uh, he was obviously a big help for me. Uh, that circle of guys were in Havel, like that's a group you know really well, right? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure, for sure. And then all Swedish guys that are hockey players, I mean, they kind of know each other a little bit. So obviously that was a huge help for me. Uh, Spencer Carberry, uh, had you're with him in Toronto. Uh, we just talked to Martin Ferreveri a couple of seconds ago. We had him in Hershey, and now he's back in the Washington mix, and you've got him again. What's Carberry like, and what have the conversations been like so far? Uh, I mean, he's awesome. I mean, he took care of the power plays in Toronto, and yeah. uh, that's mainly where I work with him. And uh, he really wants to get the best out of each and every player individually and as a unit. So I think he's going to do great things for us, and he's going to be a huge addition to our team. I mean, I'm looking forward to work with him. I feel like, you know, he's really good at separating outside of the ice and, um, you know, walking into the morning. He's just a, you know, normal guy. And uh, and as soon as you step on the ice and you step going into a game or a practice, he's, you know, it's different. So I feel like that's a really good thing that I think most players enjoy playing for. And I'm really excited to play for him again. You must have a pretty good idea of how Washington's power play works. There's this guy on the on the left side. You try to set him up for one timers. Who's that? <laughs> There's gonna be someone on the right now though. Yeah, that's that's true. You have a couple of different. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. No. It's. I mean, it's insane. I mean, I've said it now for a couple times. I mean, today. I mean, playing with Ovi and Backy and those guys. I mean, those players are two guys I looked up to. I mean, when I was younger and still do. So, uh, getting the chance to play with both of them now, it's surreal. Uh, I remember just the first day walking in and 
back east sitting down there. I mean, I've talked to him a couple times, met him a couple times before I got there and just kind of waiting for Ovi to come into the locker room. I was kind of like nervous to meet him finally. So, but it's, it's awesome. I mean, I got the chance to play with them for a bit there on the power play too. And I mean, it's pretty easy where you're going to look the first. I mean, you're just looking straight over to the left side and <laughs> if he's open, he's open. I mean, so it's awesome to play with those guys. Does, does it matter? Like, does he want it a certain way or does it not matter? Like he can hit it no matter what. I feel like he can hit it no matter what. He's always telling me when I got the puck, he's like, just pass it to me, pass it hard and try to get it to me and I'm going to shoot it. And he can do it in any different way. So it's awesome. Now you mentioned when he was going to walk in so that that first time he walked in, because he has definitely has a presence about him. Like, what did he say to you? How did the conversation go? He came in like really late too. I remember this very well. So first day, I mean, we have usually two buses that what goes from the hotel to the rink and they played a game at night and my visa wasn't ready. So I couldn't play that game against right. Anaheim. And I took the first bus, getting my gear ready and stuff like that. And uh, kind of sitting right across from him and like a minute before everyone's sitting in the locker room, Ovi comes in at last and he just walks straight up, give me a handshake and like, welcome to the team, man. I'll talk to you a little, a little bit more soon. And then, I mean, later at night during dinner, we sat down beside each other, just chatted for a bit. And uh, I mean, he's awesome. That's, that's cool. Yeah. I, I like those guys who show up like a minute before they have to, and then they're the best player on the ice that night. Yeah. I no, like guys I mean, like that. It's not always like that. I mean, practice yeah. rank, I mean, he's sitting in the couch. I mean, he's probably yeah. there first out of every, anyone and eating his breakfast and watching TV and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it's awesome getting the chance to play with him. How's the knee? It's good. It hurt a little bit when I got the hit in the Worlds, but uh, right now I feel great. I feel stronger than ever and excited for the season to start. Obviously disappointing when it happened. I don't know. Do you want to get into that? Do you think it was necessary, dirty, any conversations with Asamont afterwards? Yeah, I mean, it's stuff that happens on the ice, I kind of feel like, too. It's such a high-paced game, so, I mean, stuff is going to happen. Um, sometimes it's going to turn out good. Sometimes it's not going to turn out good, and uh, I thought it was really good by him. I mean, he reached out to me after and apologized and, you know, stuff like that. So, I mean, lots of respect for that. So it is what it is. It's in the past now, and I feel great. So that's, uh, that's all that matters. I will say this, that after Reinbacher got drafted by Montreal, there were a lot of people who were tweeting your hit of him in, <laughs> in, the, in the same tournament. Is that the meanest hip check you've ever thrown? Probably one of them. I was a little bit worried after two, actually. I had to send him a little text. So it was a lot of texting during that tournament, <laughs> just making sure he was okay. Because, you know, I was getting a lot of texts where it looked like I was kind of laughing at it after or something. But we were laughing about something completely different. So I just had to make sure he was fine because obviously you don't want to hurt anyone on the on the ice or anything like that. So good by him. I think uh, he's a good player too. So good pickup in Montreal. Social media never takes anything out of context, Rasmus. Like that, uh, never, that never happens. Yeah. No, I kind of realized that now after a while, especially in Toronto too. Oh, so yeah. I mean, yeah, they're, uh, they're good at that there. What was the biggest lesson you learned? Like, you know, the, the thing that you learned about starting your career in such a big market that when you retire 20 years from now, you're going to say this was a valuable thing for me. Just so many things. I mean, I really enjoyed my time in Toronto. I think it was fantastic. How much the fans care about the, the, the sport itself, the, the team. I mean, it's awesome playing a Tuesday night in front of a packed arena every single night. So that was awesome. And you kind of learn, too, to kind of block out the noise a little bit with time. When you have a bad game, I mean, if you go on Twitter or something, you're going to have notifications. But you get good at kind of blocking it out a little bit and focus on what's right. And so it's, it's a lot of things you learn from being in those markets. But really enjoyed my time there for sure. The day you're dealt, 
there was the moment where Willie walked with you off the ice. And obviously you guys are friends. You share the same agent. He's an interesting guy. He looks like nothing bothers him. He looks like he doesn't have a care in the world. But in that moment, he's like, I'm getting off the ice and I'm going out with Rasmus. Yeah. And I, I wonder, A, you know, we, are you comfortable sharing what he said? And B, like if there's one thing people don't know about him, what would you say it would be? Yeah. I mean, almost getting a little emotional just thinking about it. But uh, I mean, Willie's one of my best friends and I've known him since probably like 2016, 2015 or something like that. So when I got drafted to Toronto, first off, I mean, and he was on the same team, it was just awesome. I mean, I lived with him for, for one year and uh, stayed with him in the beginning of last season as well. And when he found out, I mean, he still talked about it a little bit here and there. It's like, I mean, we chat every single day, no matter where oh. we play. And mm-hmm. I mean, for the last or the day it's after, he was like, man, it feels weird, like going for dinner and you're not around and stuff like that. But uh, I mean, when we walked off, I think that was really cool. And he was kind of saying, like, don't cry yet, camera's around. So he didn't <laughs> want to show that. And uh, yeah, just. Yeah, I mean, telling me some nice stuff and I thought it was good and just wished me the best. And, and since then, I, I mean, I think we t- still talk every single day. So Really? Yeah. What's one thing about him that nobody knows? I think, uh, you know, social media wise and stuff, he always wants to look a little cool and his Instagram posts and, you know, everything is supposed to be a little flashy and, you know, stuff like that. But that's Willie. But he really cares. And if you're in his inner circle too, being close to him. Uh, I mean, he's all about family. He's all about his friends. He does anything. If I'd call him right now and tell him to stop what he's doing and uh, if he could do something for me, he would do it. So if you're in his inner circle and people know him, he's the best guy ever. When you went to Sault Ste. Marie in the OHL, I would talk to Kyle Raftus, the general manager of the Sioux. Connor Timmons would have been there. I think uh, would have been playing with the, the Greyhounds at the same time too. Just sort of check in. And every time that I did that first season you were there, there would be an interesting story about you. And the first one was, you'll never believe what he showed up with in Sault Ste. Marie in the winter. Can you share that story? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were there first off. I mean, we're there playing the under-17s, Worlds there. Uh, and obviously, Sweden won that one. But uh I actually really liked it there. And then after I was supposed to go over from the start of the season, I was going to be on a loan from my team in Sweden. Yeah. I mean, we had some injuries in our D course. I stayed back and played a couple of games before I headed over. So I came over, I think, in like November or something like that. And it was freezing cold, so much snow and stuff like that. And I show up in my Yeezy shoes, no, I mean, a hoodie, <laughs> uh, sweatpants. And they're like, my Bill family was picking me up at the airport and they're like, that's definitely the guy. I mean, no one shows up in Sault Ste. Marie in that type of clothes at this time. So, uh, yeah, it's a pretty funny story. He, he always said you were all about the shoes, too. <laughs> that you always had the best shoes on the team, true or false? Uh, on that team, probably, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a lot of guys that were into shoes there, but I was. So, uh, yeah, that's probably true. Not anymore? Not in Toronto or Washington? You didn't have the best shoes? Uh, I feel like there's a lot of shoe guys now, um, both in Washington and Toronto. I'm still into it, but I feel like there's guys that have uh, more and better shoes than I have, so I need to step my game up a little bit. You're slipping. You're slipping. Yeah, Back I'm to slipping. the Sioux days. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rasmus, thanks so much for this. Best of luck with the Caps next season. Thank you. Appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed Rasmus Sandin. Now, before we go to the Philip Zadina interview, we are going to take a brief detour to the Montana's Thoughtline, brought to you by our friends 
and we're very thankful to have friends as good as these, Montana's BBQ and Bar, Canada's home for barbecue. I've been looking at the all-you-can-eat ribs and only can imagine the food coma I'll get into once I try them. The question is from Eden in Sweden. I've been thinking about the Zadina contract termination. How was Detroit able to terminate the contract without any cap penalties? I understand that the player agreed to the termination, but the NHL and the PA should have some input on that anyway. Eden, it's a great question. You know, basically what it comes down to is there is precedence if a player and a team both want to terminate the contract and nobody's going to grieve it or take it to any kind of arbitration, the League and the Players Association won't stand in the way. Now, I know not everybody was crazy about this. Not everybody agrees with it. I'm sure some other teams are saying they don't like to see it happen, and I know the PA is not crazy about it. But if the player's not going to fight it, the PA is not going to fight it. There was a situation a couple of years ago where Patrick Berglund had his contract terminated by Buffalo. He was owed about $13 million, and the PA wanted to grieve it. They really wanted to grieve it. But the player said, no, I'm not going to do it. And so... He lost that money, and he did an interview uh, years later where he said he was fine with it. So uh, if the player makes that choice and the team makes that choice and nobody's going to grieve it, there's not much the league and the players and association can do. With that, here is Philip Zadina, and I never met Zadina. I hadn't spoken to him, but I enjoyed the opportunity for hearing from what he was thinking right from the source. Here he is. Philip Zadina. Philip Zadina and a fresh start with the San Jose Sharks. Thanks so much for doing this. How are you Thank today? You. I'm fine. I'm really good. Thank you. It must have been a very challenging decision. Um, I know a lot of people will look at your decision to leave the Red Wings and walk away from nearly $5 million and say, look, I need to start new. It couldn't have been an easy decision, but can you walk us through it? How you got there? I know there was a lot of frustration involved and we all followed the story, but in your words. Well, what do I say about it, right? Like, I mean, uh, it happened uh, pretty fast. I just uh, just wanted to start over somewhere else with, uh, you know, with my contract I had, but it didn't happen. And I'm like, I'm fine with that. I just, you know, I just decided to go into that protest to, you know, uh, finding a new team for, for myself and didn't really go uh, the way we planned or we wanted, but, you know, eventually it happened. Just so, you know, mm-hmm. found a new team that they want me to to be the part of the organization, and what happened happened. I'm still you know 23 years old, and for me the most important thing is to play hockey. You know, to get back on the track. You know, playing well, playing uh, full season, stay healthy, and that's kind of the reason why I decided to leave everything I had in in Detroit and start over somewhere else because I just uh, you know. Felt like uh, I was in a circle in Detroit. I've been there for what, like four years or something. And like each each year, something happened to me. And the last year was like, uh, you know, it was like kind of like enough is enough. Yeah. Like I've been out for like, you know, almost four months or something. And I played like 30 games out of 82, which uh, just crazy in my, you know, in my years that, you know, I got to play the most and, and, you know, just felt that way. And, and you know, we just uh, split the ways and, you know, we just say, said to each other like uh good luck and just split the ways in the you know in a good mood like nothing really you know no one was really like uh upset or something but uh that's how you know hockey life goes sometimes 
You know, we all have things we look back on and we say, geez, if, if I could have done this differently, I would have, or this was the moment that things didn't work out for me. When you look back at your time in Detroit, is there something like that you think of where you realized it wasn't going to work or I wish I could have done this differently? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, not really. Like I, everything I've done there, I've done on, you know, hundred percent. I've done with, uh, with like my full will. Like I just wanted to be the best. I wanted to help the team. Like I wanted to, you know, do my job and just be the good piece for the organization. Just, uh, sometimes like it doesn't work out that way. Like it's life and it happens. I'm not the first one that, you know, ever happened to, you know, that, didn't didn't work out in the team and they went somewhere else and worked out but uh you know it could be different scenario it could be the same scenario i don't know we'll see we'll find out uh, what happens when uh, when the you know when the first uh regular season game and uh as you ask like i don't think i would done anything differently i believe and just that i did everything i uh i should do and i done a lot of things that helped me in the way that you know in the way that you know, I want it to happen and it happened, but sometimes like things you're not thinking about happens, like the injuries, like you really, you don't think about, you know, that you don't want to get injured, but like mm -hmm. sometimes you just, you're on the wrong spot in the wrong time, right? Like it happens, happens. And, and that's, that's what happened to me last year. So I just, um, from my like mental side was, was like, you know, enough, I just got to, you know, switch, uh, switch something and something got to do differently. And that's why we did what we did. And, and I believe that the fresh start will help, uh, help me as a, like mentally and, and physically as well. Did anyone try to talk you out of it? Say, don't do this, Philip. Uh, not really. Mm. I mean, uh, my agent told me something, but, uh, I was, I was, uh, that's his job though. Yeah, he, exactly. That's like, his job. He, yep. he told me something that, uh, you know, I was really considering and, but I said, like, once we went into that, you know, protest and I was just like, let's get over with, let's get done with it. And cause I want to be ready for the next season, whether I'll be playing there or there. So, uh, you know, it came out that I'll be in, uh, I'll be in San Jose, which I'm really happy and excited about it. And I wanted to do that. Like, uh, as early as I could, so I have the the whole you know time in Czech Republic of you know off season. So in my head that I'll be in San Jose, that you know I gotta prepare myself for this, this, and this, and get better at this what they want. So you know I've done everything I could to to be ready, and now I'm just waiting to to get started. What are the conversations with Mike Greer been like? And have you had a chance to talk to uh, to David Quinn yet? Uh, yeah, I mean they were the two big factors in my, uh, you know, deciding where, where I'll be for, for the next season. So I spoke with both of them and I really had a good feeling after their conversation we had between each other and just, uh, it just, you know, felt like it's going to be good. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, it's the right fit. Like just, you know, after that conversation I had with, uh, with coach Quinn, I just, uh, just felt good. Like, I just felt like, change the time and I don't want the season start right now like mm. you know that I had that feeling so it was kind of something that you know I felt like uh you know I just just want to go there and when I saw like those centers they had like you know they have like Couturier uh, Hurdle and those guys like you know I believe that you know they can you know help my uh, game grow and of course like if I earn that spot to play with them but uh, I believe I uh, I can do that so it's just uh, I'm ready and I'm like I'm excited to go there. So that's one of the things. I remember a player telling me once he'd come off a tough year and he says, 
he became a free agent. And he said that all of a sudden people are calling me and telling me, this is why I want you here. Yeah. And it, it, he said it made him feel good. Like he, he said he wasn't signing the biggest deal, but all of a sudden it went from this ended I did not the way I liked it to all of a sudden people are talking to me like they want me. Yeah. And he said that was a, re- a thing I really needed at that point in my life. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly how I felt. Like I felt uh, that after that, you know, four seasons I've been in Detroit and someone called me that they want me in their team that, you know, they want me to be part of it. And I was just like, it's like, it's great. Like, it's great to hear that. It gives you that, you know, that uh, the power for the training that, you know, to become a better player, to, to get better in the gym, to get stronger. Like it gives you that uh, extra power for, you know, to continue in that, what you started when you were, uh, when you were, you know, uh, younger. So, and I actually came up from a couple of teams that I wasn't, wasn't really expecting, right? Like they, they wanted me in their team and, you know, they were really strong teams and they told me that. And I was just like, I really appreciate you saying that. And, and I would love to be there, but at some point I got to think of, you know, what's going to be the best for me. So, uh, it's the reason why I, didn't go there and went somewhere else. You know, we're going to ask you who those teams were. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know if I can say that, but. Uh, yes, you can say it. What are they rhyme with? That? <laughs> if, no, if, if you're not comfortable, <laughs> no, I mean, if you're not comfortable, I don't want to get you no, in trouble. I just, uh, it's, they were one of the best, better teams last year. So I would just keep it that way. Was it the guy who drafted you? No, no, no. No, it wasn't Edmonton? No, no, okay. No, no, no. That was my no, one no. guess. That no, was no, my no, one no. guess. No, but they would be really nice to you, of course, if they, if they you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's it's interesting too now how uh, players make choices. Um, you know, when, when they have an opportunity to do so, and a lot of players that we'll talk to now will talk about how important it is for their mental health and physical health to be somewhere warm, and that there is an advantage there. You know, you know, getting off the plane and you're not bundling up and walking through snow, and your body feels crap, and instead getting off the plane and it's shorts and flops, and your body feels good and. How important was that? Because you're going to San Jose. How important was that to you? Don't judge me, but you know I'm. I like this weather for sure. But at this position I am right now, Ed, like I wasn't really thinking about the weather. I was thinking about just the hockey. Mm-hmm. That's what I had in my head the whole time. Just uh, I remember even my dad texted me because he knew the teams and and he texted me that just decide where you want to go. Only about. Uh, the hockey side don't think where are you gonna be living and stuff like that and i was Good just advice. like that listen i don't really care you know where i'll be living i just just care about my uh hockey side of you know life you uh, you mentioned logan couture and thomas hurdle a, a couple of seconds ago in your conversations um with david quinn did he mention anything about who he sees you playing with where you might be playing i know training camp's gonna sort everything out in there beginning of the season too but any idea yeah he told me his vision where he can see me and stuff like that and i was uh really happy about that and but i told him i'll be ready to earn that spot so you don't you know you don't have to give it like to me for free like of course he won't do that but like i'll be there ready to to earn that spot that you're willing to provide me to to help me with to start over this is great. Uh, we wish Good you the luck. best of luck. We you really, guys. really do. Go rock it in San Jose. Yeah. I'll do my best. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks very much. For Good luck. Thank you, Philip. I have no doubt that's not a topic you wanted to spend a lot of time on. 
Many of us were curious. We hadn't heard from him before, and we appreciate his time. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, three more. Jesper Bratt, Martin Nachas, and Hampus Lindholm. <laughs> where, where are you selling them? <laughs> this is nice. Finally comfortable here. Buy you know? <laughs> a tight chair or something. Like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Listen to the 32 Thoughts podcast ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. Jesper, we're in your home country. We're in your hometown. What do you think everybody needs to know about Stockholm? Everyone always asks me, oh, where do I go in Stockholm to eat and all that stuff? And there's a lot, obviously. Stockholm is a beautiful city right on the water. I think it's always awesome here coming back from Jersey after the season, coming back here. It's always a great experience coming back and enjoying being out on the water and the lakes and everything. And don't have any specific facts about Stockholm, but uh, <laughs> we don't need the Wikipedia yeah, page. Yeah, That's but, okay. Don't worry about it. But uh, good, good place to be. Remember last year in Paris, everybody was asking Belmar. He said, "Where do I yeah. go? Where do I go?" Did you get a lot of guys? Yeah, uh, it was a lot of guys asking where where to go for dinner and stuff, and they always try to come up with the most normal places that everyone goes to. to does Cafe Opera no longer exist? Is that gone? It does exist. It's more for younger people to go there. It's not as many older celebrity people go in there it's mm-hmm. more younger squad nowadays so a 53 year old guy like me is not welcome there is what you're i don't saying. know you could probably go there you it would be a little different vibe than probably last time you went there, you went there a couple years ago <laughs> i would bet that's probably true uh to hockey uh congratulations on the deal um i know it's kind of old news now but was it ever in doubt no i think the whole time me together with my agent together with fitzy we we had a good honest relationship throughout the whole time mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, obviously, this process started so many years ago with our first two-year deal and then our one-year deal. And like I said before to me, I I never doubted anything. I Jersey was always where I wanted to play. And even when that one deal was done, I, I still said that this gave us some more time to focus on that long-term deal. And that's basically what happened. I trust in my agent and trust in Fitzy that we we're going to make this work. And I was honest the whole time saying that Jersey was the place I wanted to play, and I can see us winning a cup one year, and I, I want to be a part of that. So I never had a doubt. One of the things that uh, I find very interesting, particularly about younger players, is that 
there are a lot of younger players who went the path you chose, short, short, long, and it really gets to them. I find it very interesting that you were never bothered by that. Like some guys, they want the security. They want to know the team loves them to give them the security right away. How did you handle it being different from your point of view? I always liked the shorter terms. Like I like the thing that I have to go into the summer, like pressuring myself a little more, knowing that, okay, I got to prove myself. I got to work harder. I got to show them how good I am. And, and not being like, oh, I have six more years. Oh, I can take a workout off. I can do something off that, that every day mattered so much that I liked the one-year deal. I kind of liked that pressure having like mm. to prove yourself deal. So when that two-year deal and that one-year deal came around, I told my agent right away because obviously we were, we were talking long-term deals already already last summer. And then when that didn't kind of worked out, he, he came to me and say, he said, what do you think about a one-year deal? And I said, I, I think it's great. I get to show even more what I got and I get to work even harder and have that pressure every day to be the best version of myself and not get into the area when I'm too comfortable. That sometimes can happen with a young guy signing and I, I'm happy that I get to experience a couple of years of, of having that pressure. Because now, when I got to the point where the eight-year year came around, now I know what it means. Now I know the work that has to be put in every day. And I said to media before, I said, I don't really see this as an eight-year deal. I see it as eight one-year deals. Because mm. this is the only year that matters. It's still the same pressure. It's still the same drive that I have through having this thinking and having this thought that next year I got to redo this. I got to redo this contract and show that I'm better and better and better each year so basically what you're saying is that you didn't take the summer off and eat donuts like nothing has changed <laughs> does it yeah, look like he took not. the summer no, off to eat sure donuts? that was great yeah <laughs> yeah no I, I i try not to i've said it before too I, I i try to make the summers the hardest part to try to make the season a little almost feel like it's a little easier so i try to work in the summer i find your the attitude very interesting i'm fascinated by mentality of elite athletes which you are and the other thing i saw this summer i don't know if it was on your instagram or on his instagram but you work with like a mental coach right mm -hmm. and i think he put something out with you like just saying here's my here's one of the guys i work with jesper brad and one of the things that fascinates me about that is for a long time nobody talked about that and now i don't know if you've watched the quarterback series mm -hmm. on netflix but there's some scenes with kirk cousins where yeah. he shows uh, I think it's a psychologist that he talks to. So I'm wondering, like, you obviously have a really good handle on yourself, but what do you talk to your mental coach about? Oh, it's so many things. His, his name is Anders Svart. I, I started working with him my, actually that summer, right before I made a camp in Jersey, before I made a team. So I basically went from this second league in Sweden, having a decent season for, for a young guy, nothing spectacular, nothing people were talking about really, but... I always felt in practice, like I, I came out in practice and I felt like I dominated, even if I played with like older men. But then the game came around and I was like, I don't get it to work. Like my hands feel a little numb. Like I don't feel like I, I have it when the game starts. And then that summer I got in contact with him and he worked with a lot of the Swedish league goalies because he was always talking about, oh, goalies have a, it's a different part of the sport because you're standing there alone the whole time. You don't get feedback all the time. So you're more of in like a position where you, you only have your own mind when you talk when the game plays you you don't have a coach yelling at you or anything you're you're alone there on the ice the whole time for a goalie so he worked a lot with the psychological aspects of the game and pressure and all that stuff and my agent kind of brought me in to meet up with him and as soon as I met him it all just clicked for me like all the pressure thing and and breeding things and stuff and 
Uh, I can't too, talk too much about everything that we do mm -hmm. because of our contract and stuff, but it was really like a switch for me. Everything just switched. And the first, I remember going from kind of like two-day meeting together with him and I went to, to skate with a couple pro guys here and it all just switched for me. My whole mental stability, my whole mindset, I, I was just like, this is normal. Like, it's nothing wrong with me. It's just like, I just needed someone to tell me this so I understand how I feel and all that stuff on the ice. And then obviously camp got around and uh, I was planning out every day. Every day I was writing in my journal about stuff that we talked about and everything kind of has been, it's been going like that since. I, I write journals before and after every single game and I've done since my first ever preseason game in training camp. That's another thing that I've been advised to do is start writing a journal at the end of every day. Take a couple notes on what went right for you today, what went wrong for you today, what you have to get done tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Some people I know who are very successful, they're all journal writers. So this is fascinating to me. How long have you been doing a journal? I've done it since I met him. We have like a piece of paper with a bunch of questions that I answer before basically every game and that I also answer after every game. So I, I do this every game. So at his office now, he basically has, what is it now? Six books that I have, which is from every single season that I played. So one book for each season, it says it has every single game that I played uh, before the game, how I prepare myself before the game and how I took care of myself and wrote down every single thing that happened after the game too. Wow. So I have that as his, his office now, which is, which is a security for me. Like I get to, like when I come out on the game, like I know exactly what to do. I know what the plan is. I know if something wrong happens, I know exactly how the way out of it is. That, I think that's really cool. hundred yeah. percent. He's been a complete game changer in my life since I met him. And I think it's so important to work with him. Every time I meet a young guy or, or something that I can tell almost on the ice that he has so much potential, but it's something that's not clicking. I talk with him about this all the time and he does an amazing job and he has a lot of good clients and I really hope he gets to help more people like that. From this moment on, Jeff, by the way, mm -hmm. Jasper should get 5% of everything <laughs> <laughs> that his no, mental no, coach no. makes. No, no, no. He's, he's been giving so much to me and I want him to help as many people as possible because I think this is so important. I think... Like he does an amazing job and I know a lot of other people are also doing an amazing job, but I can only speak for what I've been doing with him. And I don't think I would have been close to the position where I am right now if it wasn't for him. That's amazing. I'll be quiet now. That was, I was happy to play passenger on that. That's really interesting. <laughs> New Jersey Devils, uh, playoff team. What did you learn from the playoffs this season? And how great was it to beat the Rangers, by the oh, way? Oh, it was awesome. That game seven was <laughs> was awesome. And the, the building was electric and it was it was the most fun game that I've probably ever played, uh, playing that game, winning that series. It was it was awesome. But I think we learned to the, the first two games, we, we came out so tight. We didn't know what to expect. And we, we kind of played like um, shoot yourself in the foot type of game when we played against a team like Rangers. We gave them way too much. And our, our turnovers and our puck play was just kind of like junior hockey when you're playing against team, a team like that. And I think that was honestly like, it was pretty good that we came out like that. Our mental stage, like in our our game plan completely changed and the next five games I think we were we were the better team all the mm -hmm. way through and obviously with our speed and our our quickness and we were kind of wearing them down completely and I also think that since that was our first real playoff experience for most of us and yeah. together as a team in a lot of years 
that's turnaround from that game seven to game one with only 30 hours or whatever that was mm. that turnaround we came into that series almost a little like word out like not mentally prepared for the challenge that we were going to meet in carolina carolina is playing such a hard one-on-one game that it's it's hard to create space it's you don't get anything for free out there and i I think coming from the Rangers here that we had so much momentum with our speed and our quickness and the style they were playing compared to Carolina, I just think we weren't prepared enough. And and they played their system better than we played and they deserve to win that series. Do you find that, that Carolina and your team, the New Jersey Devils, are more similar than they are different? Like when I watch Carolina and some of the the numbers show this too. Something as pedestrian as, you know, goals for and goals against. Like your teams look really similar. You know, you're right there one, two in the standings as well. At times, does it almost feel like you're playing yourself? There's definitely times when you see their strength of their team and you look at our strength of the team, you see that we have a lot of similarity. I think their strength that they've been playing is that they're probably the best team to be disciplined to their own structure in the league. Everyone does the right thing. Like they're... Not a lot of breakdowns in the games and they're so disciplined in the way they're playing. And I think when it comes to their speed and how relentless they are in their forecheck and their backcheck and the tracking and, and all that, I think we, we do have a lot of similarities. And at the same time, I look at our team and I see our strengths and our peak players, how what we can do out on the ice. And I'm just excited to, to get this season started to show that too. Let me ask you about two players specifically. And you've played with both. In the regular season, you played a lot with Jack Hughes. Mm -hmm. In the playoffs, you played a lot with Nico Heischer. Differences between the two. Some of them are obvious, Mm -hmm. but... Jack talks more. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, What's it like playing with those two? Like, what are the main differences, like, in in your position? What do you have to be aware of? Yeah, obviously, they're two amazing elite players. And like you said, they they are very different from each other. And he... Nico doesn't get a lot of credit for that. Everyone always says, oh, Nico is such a good like defensive center, all of that stuff. But Nico is unreal with the puck. Like his hockey IQ and his hockey sense. And like he, he's a guy that very rarely makes mistakes. And if there's a chance to have, get the puck on your stick, the puck is always on your stick when you play with Nico. Like you know that you can always trust him on the ice. He'll be on the right spot, even in Ozone. Like he will always take those hard battles in that front he can make the cutbacks in the corner he's got a great shot like i hope he keeps using that shot more too because he, he scored a lot of goals last year from far distance with that wrister so obviously everyone knows how great he is defensively he does a lot of good stuff in our penalty kill i don't think he gets a lot enough credit for his offense i mean 80 plus points this season from a guy that plays so many minutes d zone draws and penalty kill and, and then when we come to jack i it's so exciting playing with a guy like that. I mean, I get to watch him every day in practice and yeah. in games and see what he does and just his flow and his skating, his, his stick handle, his his way of finding lanes, like carrying the puck and know which is going to be the fastest fastest lane to the goal. And he skates around like a magician out on the ice. It's you you just know when you when you give him the puck, you almost don't have to care about him. You just give him the puck and then you can just skate to your open lane. And you know that some way somehow during the time he will find a way to find you it's almost like dropping to a guy and i don't even need to look what he's doing i'm just gonna find my own eyes and he will he'll find you somehow so both of the guys i I feel like i build up some some chemistry with and those are just two guys that they'll make you better and just gonna find your eyes a little bit maybe not this year but we're in that point 
cup or bust. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's always it's always a a pressure thing to say cup or bust because winning the cup is so hard. It's there's only one team going there, and I mean we we had such a good season last year. But we're still so far away from getting to the to the end goal. Like we we won through the first round and lost second round. We gotta go all the way. You gotta win the second round, third round, and the fourth round. So we're still far away from our end goal, but I think we're definitely on the right path. And you're a big part of it. Thanks so much Thank for you. this today. Thanks, guys. Martin, we were talking to Tim Stutzla before you came in, and we were talking about athletes hitting their stride. And it was one of those seasons for Stutzla, and it seemed like it was one of those seasons for you as well. 71 points, 28 goals. The skill has always been there. NHL is a hard league. How did you put it all together this year? I feel like, you know, after kind of bad season for me, you know, had a great summer, was healthy, and uh, just, you know, tried to... Even work on my mental a little bit, uh, you know, being better. Don't play in the waves, but more like on the same page mm-hmm. most of the games in the season. And uh, just came into camp feeling really good and, uh, you know, started the season well. Then I, you know, got on the first power play, playing, you know, with no goalie overtimes and uh, uh, started producing a little bit. Then, you know, I earned the trust a little bit from uh, from Roddy and uh, obviously then the confidence does the big things, and, uh, you know, I feel good. Do you think he was testing you early, saying, all right, let's see how you are, and let's see if you can take advantage of this opportunity? Yeah, I mean, uh, obviously you got to earn the, you know, spot from him, and uh, he always wants everyone to work hard, uh, which I feel like everyone on our team does. But, uh, you know, for me, I feel like it, it was more, I feel like I got a little better on defense, and then, once uh, you play good defense, he gives you a little more freedom offensively, and uh, it was good. We played for most of the year with Swatch together, which uh, we kind of found a good chemistry before you know he got injured. And um, I feel like there is a still step to take, but uh, I feel like um, it was a good bounce back season. You know, this is a Carolina Hurricanes team that's loaded with skill, and we've talked before on on the podcast about how when you just look player to player. And again, there's a lot of skilled players. I think you're probably the most, just as far as pure skill goes, the most skilled player on the Carolina Hurricanes. How much rope does your coach, Rod Brindamore, give you? Or is he always saying, look, simplify, simplify, simplify? Essentially what I'm saying is, how much does Rod Brindamore just let you play and say, you know what, let the skill take over? Yeah, I feel like the more you're scoring, more freedom you get. I feel like that's normal everywhere in every team and uh, obviously you got to play the structured you know game you got to play you know defensive how uh, how everyone else plays but uh you know offensively once you get in a ozone then he tells you you know you got a freedom to do some stuff obviously you don't want to do turnovers on a special on the blue lines but uh yeah once you get an ozone or you know mm-hmm. on a the rush then you're free to do whatever you want and uh you know you just want to do those turnovers that might cost you game or something but I feel like once you feeling good about yourself, feeling confident, then, you know, you don't really think about these mistakes and you just play the game and, uh, you know, having fun. And for me personally, when I'm having fun, I'm playing my best. What is the angriest you've ever seen Rod Brindamore? (laughs) I don't know. He seems, you know, everyone thinks always that when you see him, he's, you know, he's yelling all the time or, you know, he's jacked. He's probably still in a shame to play, playing in (laughs) HL. But uh, in a locker room, he's a really nice guy, you know. Yeah. Nice to talk to. He doesn't yell often. You know, I knew coaches before, even like from Czech, but uh, in NHL, I had only 
Bill Peters and uh, Roddy, but uh, he doesn't yell. He only yells once or maybe twice a season when we really were, when we really needed, you know, on the bench or when we were playing a bad game. But uh, I feel like for him, once we work really hard, we play for hundred percent, and even if we lose, it's fine. But once you don't give it your your all, then uh, you know he's mad. Because like those eyes, like they're so intense, they're so piercing. That's pretty impressive that he doesn't do that very much. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, sometimes he had those clips where he was yelling at, at, uh, at the refs and stuff. You're not a referee, and he's, so that's different. That's different, but, you know, for us in the locker room, he played a game, he knows how it works. Uh, yeah. He only yells when it's really needed, and uh, I don't know. But to be honest, his speeches are incredible. He always, feel like he always prepares them before every game. It's always a little different. It's not just about the hockey, it's about life, and, uh, you know, it's... Uh, feels like it's a special gift that he has, and he always motivates us with something else. You want to run through a wall after it's over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I want to ask you about one specific moment in the uh, the series against New Jersey Devils. It might have been a small one, but it seemed like everybody was really happy when it happened. The Nason Halla fight. Everybody on the Hurricanes bench seemed to really like that I one. was wondering if you were going to go there. I am going to go there. Um, is there anything to that? I don't know. I feel like every time he plays against us, he's uh tries to play hard, obviously. He's you know, yeah. he plays gritty and uh people always booing him in Carolina once he touches the puck. So because that was actually the first year when he left, I think he played for Nashville. If I'm right, the next season we played we played him in the playoffs. It was after bubble and yeah. I don't know. Me and him, we were kinda I don't know, having something against each other in the First playoffs, and then since then, people are somehow booing him. And then that was just something that they he didn't beat us yet. As a and he played in I don't know four different teams, so uh, that was the thing. But after last series, we like we talked, and he was just like he has to do that. That's the way he plays. And uh, yeah. you know, after a series, he was fine. But I just saw he had some uh, the bracelet or whatever bracelet it was. with something Kane sucks or something <laughs> like that. So uh, so uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, Excited to play against him again. You know what you have to do next year at one of the games in Carolina? You have to reach under, rip off the bracelet, and skate around <laughs> holding it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to give, give him a new one. <laughs> I love Canes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be yeah, – you'd yeah. be a viral superstar. Oh, I that. should do that. <laughs> this year, again, speaking of playoffs, I mean, much like last year, we looked at Carolina and said this team has a shot at winning the Stanley Cup, and I don't think anyone has changed their thoughts on the Carolina Hurricanes. Skating with the weight of expectation can be tough. You know, when you're an underdog, hey, no one expects you to do anything and everything. It's just fun and you're, and you're playing. Is it more challenging knowing that everyone says, you know what, this Carolina team could win the Stanley Cup? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's actually, it's a nice thing to, to hear, you know, because obviously we have expectations, but it's nice to be up there four or five years ago. Uh, nobody would ever talk about Carolina. Now, you know, we're getting... A little bit up there, and uh, I feel like our team just got yeah. even better this offseason, and uh, uh, hopefully everyone's going to stay healthy, which is, you know, important. One of our best guys last year, Swedge, got injured before the playoffs, which yeah. was a huge loss. But, uh, yeah, hopefully everyone's going to be healthy. We're going to play, you know, our hockey the way we play. It's, you know, it's hard to play against, and, uh, you know, just play a game at a time. And first thing is to get to playoffs and then starts a different game and uh, – you know, we got a little more experience. 
you got a good team and, uh, you know, great goalies. I, I was thinking about it. I was looking back at your playoff run last year. You guys win two rounds. You're feeling really good. And then that final series begins with like that long, long game. And that one, you lose that one. And it just seemed like the momentum got just sucked right out of you guys. It's crazy how quick it changes. What, what do you, when you look back at the Eastern final, what do you think? Yeah. And uh, I actually even had, I remember first game, uh, third period, I, I had a breakaway, didn't score, you know, could have been a different game if I would score. Wouldn't be probably, you know, we would be winning one nothing. Then we lost that one, I think, for overtime or something. Mm-hmm. Matthew Tkachak scored. And then uh, another game, another overtime, he scores again. And, you know, at home, we're losing 2 nothing. Then we go there. We lost all four games by, I think, one, one goal. Yeah. It was a tight series, but, you know, uh, Probably wasn't wasn't anything lucky from them. They just played better in overtimes. On the power play, they scored more goals in the series. They they were good there, and uh, yeah, they deserve it a little more. And uh, got to bounce back next season. I understand you did a podcast, and a friend of mine listened to it, and they told me that um, like when the whole Kachuk thing was going on a year ago, Carolina was definitely there, and the word was that they had talked with you about them. And what I didn't realize is that you knew it as a young guy. How did you handle all that? How did you feel about all that? About the possibility yeah, of yeah. Calgary? I never been, you know, traded or anything. So didn't really think, you know, I didn't know, really know how it works. Uh, didn't really know what happened, what, what's going to happen because I haven't signed yet uh, back then. And uh, I just heard some rumors that I might go there or uh, I was just waiting what's going to happen. And then uh, Kachek went to Florida. Uh, I signed and uh, at the end of the day, you know, I was happy I stayed. Stayed in Carolina and, uh, you know, had a good bounce back season. Did anyone talk to you about it? Like you talked about like confidence and things like that. So in that moment, did you seek any advice? Like, how do I handle this? How do I deal with this or anything like that? I tried to even, you know, in the summer, even before that, before I knew something's going to happen or, you know, what's happening. I tried to work with my uh, mental coach a lot, you know, to be, be more, you know, hockey is not just about, Having good skill, being a good skater, uh, it's, I don't know, at least half of the game is in your head, I feel like. And, you know, if you're mentally prepared well, I feel like that makes a big difference. And uh, that's one of the things I tried to change before the last season. And I feel like it's one of the things why I had a good season because I was, you know, mentally ready for basically every game. What was the best advice your mental coach gave you? If you could share advice with someone who needs that help. What's the best advice you got? We always say with him, the you know, even if you have a bad game or a good game, you should always think about it just till the midnight. Then next day, once you come to practice or to the game, you shouldn't be affected by by the last game. Even if we have a bad game, there's 82 games in a season, and uh, next day you just should come to practice. You should be happy. You should think, you know, what do you want to get better at from the last game? Not about, you know, mistakes. So, uh, yeah, that's one of the things I, I feel like I I changed last year and, uh, you know, wasn't really upset by the game before. I was thinking about it till the midnight and then uh, next day is a new day, new challenge and uh, just, yeah, that way. That's healthy. Um, listen, great season, last season, uh, bigger and even better things, if that's possible. On the horizon for you, uh, continued success. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys.
boys. Connor from New York. But uh, I've had this idea for a while, and uh, I'm not sure if I sent it into the pod before, but I had this hybrid cap idea for the NHL. Basically, it's kind of like a soft cap versus a hard cap where both apply based on the roster that you put in on a given night. So the soft cap is your total roster cost that can only reach a certain amount, but the hard cap is what you're allowed to play on a certain night based on the number of players you want to use. So basically, if you have a star-studded lineup, but you can't roster a full 20-player lineup on a given night, you can shorten your bench and only dress 16 or 17 players to keep it under that hard cap that's required for a rostered team. But the soft cap is basically a larger extended version of the cap to allow for more signings. Anyway, just a thought, Jeff, Amel, great work, and Elliot, nice suit, pal, nice suit. Later, boys. All right, a smoky break for our Thoughtline partner, Montana's Barbecue and Bar. With meats prepared and smoked in-house, it's no wonder why they're Canada's home for barbecue. Check them out, and as Elliot always says... Try the ribs. Yes, their ribs are smoked in-house every day until they fall off the bone. And don't forget, Montana's has all-you-can-eat ribs Every Wednesday. Head on down to Montana's Barbecue and Bar and take the all-you-can-eat rib challenge every Wednesday. Smoking good barbecue only at Montana's. Some conditions apply. Visit montanas.ca for details. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host. Four down, one to go. Just left for your listening pleasure, Hampus Lindholm. And this one isn't really newsy per se. It's just that Lindholm is a great talker. You know, he's in the West Coast in Anaheim. Being in Toronto, I don't see him as much. I've gotten to know him a little bit more uh, since he's gotten to Boston. And he's a great talker. Just someone who's really easy to speak to and really good at explaining what he thinks. I think you'll find that here as well.
So, Elliot, for the second year in a row, the best-dressed man at the European Players Tour is Hampus Lindholm of the Boston Bruins. So, congratulations for that. <laughs> it's um, an unofficial award. There's yeah, no okay. prize. No prize. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. You um, can have the cash value of zero. Yes. Lucky Lunk was still here. It saves me. <laughs> Two-thirds of the square root of zero. We're talking about this off-air. Let's do it on the air. How much fun was Charlie McAvoy's wedding? I went all out in that wedding, and it's, it was fun to be a part of, and I think they had yeah. a great time as well, which is the most important thing. Who wore the lampshade? The lampshade. I never actually saw someone wear it, but if someone <laughs> would have worn it, it would probably be Swayman, so I'll oh, give him. <laughs> really? Eh? Like that? Those are hard, though. They're glass. You have to really work to get those off, so I'll be real impressed if you walked around one of those. I figured it would have been one of the veterans as opposed to one of the young guys who would have been the most entertaining, let's yeah, say. Yeah, but I think he would have done it because he wanted to entertain the veterans. You know what I mean? He's one of those guys. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You know, this it must be kind of like a, a weird time. Just celebrating Bergeron, Krejci. You weren't there, obviously, when Chara was there and what it was like when he left. But I can only imagine what it's going to be like now without especially Bergeron there. Yeah. No, I think especially looking from the outside, I understand what people think of it. But I think the people in the room, like all those guys you mentioned, like they, I've only been there for a year and a half. You can really feel those guys in the walls of that locker room. I think also turning into the other side of it i think a lot of guys are excited to bring that on and like show that we can do what they've kind of taught us over all these years and i think yeah, that's something that's really exciting for me personally and i think the guys in that room to to show that that boston way is still still in the locker room and uh, keep carrying that the legacy i saw your note when bergeron announced it and you said you could talk basically for hours and you were only as you said a teammate with him for a year and a half Tell us one story about Bergeron that stood out for you. But like when I get traded, like before even like any GM has time to call me almost like I get a phone from Patrice on my phone. Like he takes time to call me and he, everyone that was around me include everyone. It's not like you said, he calls me, Hey, welcome to Boston Hampus. It's very, you can tell it's very genuine and it's like, it's not like you just get that phone call. It's like when you arrive, it's like every little thing, like he wants you to make it easy to come over to the new team. And like, he's so aware of all those little things and to make sure that everyone's happy and satisfied. And you can tell that he does it from a genuine way, which is, I think it's very special. And my first practice, I, I come to Boston. I think he had done some kind of stuff with his wrist. So he wasn't playing with the team. I come there, we're skating. He's, I feel like I'm 50 years old because he never gets tired, that guy. <laughs> I'm skating around to try to impress him. It's, it's, it's a, it was a really fun skate. And then before I even like have time to look down, he's there picking up the pucks and uh, coming up and, and knuckle fist me. Great practice and goes off. And he's just such a polite, nice man. And I think a lot of people can learn from him. And I feel f- sorry for those people that didn't have a chance to play with him. Really? Yeah. We've heard um, forwards talk about certain defensemen and they'll say, you know, this defenseman makes it easy for me to do my job. Oh, this defenseman. Oh, it's so great when I'm on the ice with them because my job is taken care of, gets me the puck, no problem, and the puck's up the ice. Uh, I wonder about Bergeron from a defenseman's point of view. Did he make it easier for you to be a defenseman? Yeah, no, obviously. He's he's such a two-way center, so he would always be in that right spot. And if anything would ever jump by or go sideways, he would always be low there in support. And uh, I think, yeah, obviously, super smart centerman. And uh, that's why he won all those awards. Like, he didn't cheat that much so often. I think, obviously, he could have gone a little bit more for, for getting all those points, but... 
if you just look at a two-way center that wants to win, I think he played the right way and really fun to play with. Did you think there was any chance he was going to play this year? You never really know. Of course, like all the guys knew that he was retiring. But then, you know, like you come around this time of year, like yeah, and the kids are screaming at home. You're like, honey, <laughs> honey, yeah, I miss the boys. So you never know. But obviously, I think everyone had a pretty clear uh, clear mind that he was going to retire and well-deserved. Like he should be proud. He's, he's put his legacy in that beast locker room and for the whole city and for hockey in general. Is the world ready for Captain Brad Marchand? That is a good question. That's a question I, I can't ask for you, but yeah, he's a great guy too. And yeah. like I said, we have so many great leaders. So I think that's going to be a hard pick for any coach. Or he's a great guy too. And you can tell he's been around all those guys, Bergie and Shara, and being a part of the winning team. So it's uh, fun guys to be around for me too, to, to learn and uh, keep growing here with my last couple of years here with Boston. You did a really good job keeping your foot injury secret. Yeah. Going back to uh, March 11th or 12th, the Detroit game, and you played down the stretch and, and into the playoffs um, with a fracture as well. How difficult was that? I didn't really know, like, first that it was injured. Like, I know it was hurt, but I didn't know it was broken. But that made a lot of sense after because it didn't really get that much better. So, obviously, that was really hard playing with now when I look back at it, especially because I see myself as a flowing skater. Like, that's mm-hmm. kind of makes who I am as a player. But I think with any injuries and stuff, you, you learn new ways of playing with stuff. And that's how you get better as a player, too. You have something nagging or something you can't do that you normally can do. Then you have to try to get your other abilities to kind of maybe step up even more. So um, I think yeah, I managed it really good regular season. I think then come playoff time, I was a little bit disappointed how I maybe got the best out of myself. But I think yeah, most guys in the locker room probably wasn't happy with the end result. But it's part of hockey. It's... Uh, mm-hmm. It, it happens, and um, you just have to learn from it and uh, grow from it. You know, you mentioned um, such a premium for you on skating, galloping. You're a galloping type of, uh, of defenseman. There was, Elliot and I talked about this a couple of times. Early in the season last year, there was one game, I want to say it was against Detroit. It was an overtime, and you grabbed the puck behind the Bruins net, and you went end-to-end. And we kind of looked at that and wondered uh, how much of that is just, that's just Jim Montgomery saying, go. Uh, as opposed to any other coaches saying, hang on here, let's manage this situation. And they, when you look at how you were able to play this year, and you put up big points, how much of that is a reflection, you think, on Jim Montgomery just saying, go? Yeah, no, I think obviously the way we played and encouragement of us joining helps a lot. That's always been me. Like if you look back when I played in Sweden, like I've always been the guy carrying around the net and then try to skate it all the way. Mm-hmm. up in the middle so that's always kind of been part of my game i think it's just fit now that we have a playing style where they encourage stuff like that i've been developing that over the years in anaheim and it's been really fun for me to have all that in the bank and then obviously now i can take advantage and, and use it out there and ice something you said there stands out you go from anaheim to boston and not knocking Anaheim, but Boston's obviously a bigger hockey market. Yeah. And also a lot of players and fans will tell you that those of us who live in the East Coast, we can't stay out past 10 o'clock. Yeah, so we, yeah. don't, <laughs> we don't see anything. Yeah. So like, how do you think that the perception of you or the way people see you has changed since you got traded to Boston? Yeah, no, of course, more eyes on you. It makes people understand more what kind of player you are. So I definitely think that's people have finally started to see what kind of player I am. And I think I think I'm also I've never been like the maybe the most flashy players. I think when you get to see me more day to day basis, you appreciate my playing style, I think a little bit more. And it's uh, 
I've always seen myself as I want to be a player that makes the four guys out there on the ice with me better. I don't want to be maybe the guy that deeks one guy and put it in a net and then, but I make everyone else worse out there. Like you, you want to try to win hockey games, and that's always been my kind of playing style. I think it's it's fun that people get to see me more on day to day, and it's fun that you get all these nice words. And especially in Boston, I think people appreciate you, and I appreciate them. So it's been a fun year and a half, two years here. You alluded to it a little bit there. Just the scene after Florida, what it was like in the room, and how you guys will use that as motivation for this year. It's like that basketball guy. He said it pretty well after his press conference there that it's like even though you lose a season, it's like so disappointing, especially with sport. Like it just it's like someone just cuts off your uh, <laughs> the, the road in front of you, and then you're like, what's going on now? And it's it is really tough. I think everyone's gonna be sour about that season, but in the, the day, you can only learn from it and grow from it. And uh, it was definitely not a waste of a season. It was one of the seasons I always gonna remember in the season that I grew a lot and I think a lot of guys in that locker room grew and uh, that's something we're gonna carry on to next season. So we, I think everyone's gonna be a better version of themselves next year and I think it's gonna snowball that way, especially if you have that mindset. Who's the player that's gonna break out this year? Because they're gonna be in a position where more is gonna be expected yeah. and more will be delivered. Who's your pick? Who's my pick? I think uh, it would be fun to see like uh, one of the young guys, like maybe Fabian Lucelle, mm-hmm. come and he'll get an opportunity. Of course, you pick a guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's hard. I think everyone had like a good year last year. I think we have a lot of guys that have a lot of potential. I think Charlotte Coyle can be uh, a guy too that can uh, show up. Not like you haven't done it before, but mm-hmm. he would be another pick. Okay, so these are these are going to be hockey pool picks for me this year. Yeah, yep. if I lose, I'm going to be really okay. disappointed. At you. <laughs> I, I think it's not a hockey pool fishing trip here. It's essentially yeah, yeah, what yeah. he's saying, Ambus. I'll send you matters. You come knock on my door. <laughs> well, was there a moment last? Because that was such a magical season for the Boston Bruins. Obviously, was there a moment? Was there a time in the season where everyone in that room kind of said? we could really do something special here, or this is a different type of team. I mean, everyone, like all of us, I'll put my hand up too. I was saying to uh, to everybody, I was one of those guys that was saying, you know, the Boston Bruins have so many injuries to start the season. They're just going to have to play 500 hockey until they start getting players back. I mean, you guys came out of the gate and grabbed the regular season by the foot and dragged it to deep water and stayed there for 82 games. At what point did you realize you had something special? I think like the guys in the locker room, you, you know it even before the, even the season start. Of course, like when you start playing games against the other teams, you start realizing you were winning. And but I think we knew it from the get go. Like we we had really good players, and everyone knew that some guys would have to step up in the when you have big guys injured. But that's what good teams do. And I think Boston's been a good team for a long, long time. And for those reasons, you have guys injured, you have guys out. Mm -hmm. some guys get traded it's just a chance for someone else to step up like I think if I look at our team now I was talking to everyone else here helping me out today it's I think we have so many so many good players still I think we almost had too many good players maybe last year so now it's just going to be squeezing out a little extra out of out of everyone I think that's super exciting because like what hockey player does not want more more responsibility what hockey player does not want to play more and if you get the talent and the, the mind for it it's an exciting time I heard the story about you, and you can tell me if this story is true or not, but that when you were traded and you were considering signing your extension, one of the things Claude Lemieux, who represents you, told you was, you can believe in the Bruins because they always figure things out. First of all, is that true? And secondly, do you look at this right now and say, the Bruins are going to figure this out? 
Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, no, he, he. That's what he said. And also being around the league, you, you've seen. I think they they always done a great job to be competitive. And I think that's something that's lives within myself too. Like I look at our team and the core guys we have. Like I'd be surprised if we wouldn't be competitive for all the years that I'm there. So uh, that was also one of the reasons why I signed. And I'm I'm super excited about that. It's like you never really know in this league, especially which teams you have. The right guys get hot the right time of year. It's basically just get into the playoffs and then then. You, if you have those kind of guys, anything can happen. And then Boston's also a team to, to see when you have a chance to, to kind of maybe strengthen up the team a little bit. And it's fun to be a top part of an organization that plays to win every single game. Uh, some new faces. Uh, Geeky is in. Lucic returns. And someone who you played with in Anaheim, Kevin Shattenkirk, is now a Boston Bruin. You ever thought on your old teammate from Anaheim? Yeah, no, Shad is a great guy. I think anyone around the league knows Shad. He's one of those guys in the room you just love to have around. He uh, treats everyone with respect and uh, just brings good energy every day. So I'm super excited to have him him back. And he's probably going to take the DJ court within, within a second in that <laughs> locker room too. So get some bangers going. So I'm excited. <laughs> uh, best dressed and great talker. Uh, yeah, have another great season. Yeah, thanks, guys. Good to see you now. As we wrap this up, just want to remind everybody that all of these interviews are available on Sportsnet's YouTube channel, and they do a really nice job with the video, so you're not only looking at me. Sometimes you get Jeff and even occasionally the guest. Taking Us Out is a duo we featured on the podcast in previous seasons. The Darcys are a Toronto-based electro-rock group that's been taking names since 2011. The band has a new single out now with May Martin, which will play in an upcoming episode. But today we leave you with their thunderous single from 2013 off their record, Warring, with The River. Here's the Darcys on the 32 Thoughts podcast. The trees do like knives and claimed us for their own. You know, one of the things the solar eclipse, remember that, reminded us is people will travel to have unique experiences, see things, and be part of events. 
We all saw how people congregated in areas that had the best view, the best safe view. And they all had to stay somewhere, and many used Airbnb. I want to share something with you I was once told. One of the wisest things you can do when you host an Airbnb is find events in your area and let people in that community know that your place is available for out-of-towners. Many did this with the Eclipse. You can do this as well. Your home could be an Airbnb. Seriously. It doesn't have to be your whole place. I mean, it could be. You'd be surprised what people are looking for when they travel. It's simple and it's really, really smart. You might want to think about it. You could be sitting on a whole new revenue stream. Concerts, sporting events, conferences. People are always on the move. Your home may be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.ca slash host.